Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. In today's episode, we'll be interviewing the lovely Beatrix Hollow. Her works include Cupid Psycho and Run and Hide. We've opted to include some trigger warnings. There will be talk of suicide, (laughs) murder, gore, potential discussion of cervical penetration, and some other weird shit. (laughs) Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. Welcome, Beatrix. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's probably the most interesting uh, trigger warning section that I've ever had to write for the show. I love that you included Uh. cervical penetration. (laughs) Yeah, that one slaps. (laughs) Me explaining that to Colette was like my favorite thing. (laughs) <laughs> me and sarah talking about it on the halloween episode was my favorite thing <laughs> oh my goodness beatrix have you listened to our podcast at all before yes i started listening to you guys in the beginning oh my goodness a day one fan <laughs> yeah <laughs> so well thank you for supporting us <laughs> No problem. I'm like, it blows my mind that there are people that want to listen to us just like cackling and like. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not a lot of podcasts with Rivers Harms. I know. I feel like that's the feedback we get the most is that people just really appreciate us talking about this subgenre that no one really talks about. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into questions. I'm going to start us off. Uh, my first question, uh, I see that you studied psychology in university. How do you think that this has influenced your writing? Uh, you know, I don't think it has. <laughs> um, I was obsessed with psychology for a long time, and I think I burnt myself out on it for, like, the rest of my life. So mm. I can identify I, with that. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I can't imagine writing about mental health stuff seriously in any of my books. As of now. I can see that. Did you, like, go fully go through and get, like, an undergrad degree in it? Well, I'm missing a science lab, so. <laughs> Those it's damn just a science minor. labs. Sometimes I lie, though, and I'm just like, yeah, it's a, it's a bachelor's. <laughs> I mean, you were close, so I think that that's fine. <laughs> uh, a science lab almost stopped me from graduating with my bachelor's degree. Damn science labs. Yeah. Uh, next question. What is your favorite romance trope to read and to write? To read, I think it is villains. I really Ooh. like villains. Mm-hmm. To write, uh, you know, this is kind of hard because I don't feel like I'm extremely self-aware. Sometimes <laughs> the readers are saying things about my books I didn't even realize. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that. <laughs> but I'm thinking obsession themes. Yeah, I can definitely see that in your writing. Yeah, yeah, like Brie and Orson and Caspian and Ava. Yeah, and there's more planned for other things. I'm just like, why not add obsession? <laughs> uh, when you say you like reading villains, do you like reading like retellings of... Uh, I know that Katie Robert has that series where she's retelling all the Disney villains with smut. Is that along the lines? Or do you just like romances where the female main character ends up with the villain i don't read a lot of reimaginings i don't know why they just don't draw me in i guess 
I haven't read any of those either. I bought one, so I intend to write it, <laughs> read it at some point. Her wicked villain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I just like, I guess the male characters. They're punchy. Kind of dark. Yes, I am also a big fan of that. Oh, if they're mm-hmm. dark and broody, Sam this all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they make for more interesting love interests. Yeah, I think I'm starting to turn into like a golden retriever lover. Like, <laughs> I I do like himbos sometimes, but it's good yeah. generally the villain. All right, uh, you have an effortless way of infusing comedy into otherwise dark romances. How do you find a good balance in your writing? Well, I've always liked horror comedy and dark humor so i feel like i've just been around it a lot so it's a lot Mm -hmm. more natural for me and i like a lot of dark themes but i don't like like emotional heavy stuff so i feel like that's how i end up there this is just it goes along with the comedy question but when you wrote that peeing line like (laughs) did you think that that was gonna be as popular as it's been no i there were several times i almost deleted it i'm like people are gonna think it's gross and i'm like well i don't really care i'm just gonna keep it I think that as someone who's in a committed relationship, like, when you get to that point, like, shit like that is just really not that big of a deal. So I could identify with that line. Not that I'm saying that Chris is, like, peed between my legs while we're but... Thanks for clarifying that, Ash. This is very much like a house where, like, we poop with the door open. I'll yeah. just say that. Yeah, I did find Mothman difficult a bit with the comedy because he's like, he is the comedic relief, but I didn't Uh want him to like only be a clown. Yes. So I had to get feedback and stuff and make sure he wasn't too, too goofy. I still talk about that oops, wrong hole drawing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's so good. Yeah, I do. I do love Mothman. I do think it's... It's hard to balance that in your writing so that it doesn't come across as, like, too over-the-top goofy, yeah. but also, like, not so dark that your your readers just want to go cry in a corner somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Def- Comedy's yeah. hard. It is, because I've definitely read series where I'm like, oh, okay, that's a lot. You're, you're, do- you're doing too much. Yeah, I uh, try to err on the side of too subtle sometimes, at least in my opinion. Have you ever gotten editing feedback that was like, uh, this is a little bit too much and you've like gone back and taken things out? I don't remember. I think <laughs> I usually kind of take them out before You're harder I on yourself. It. Yeah. What are some of your one-click authors that you love? Those authors that the minute they put anything out, you know you're absolutely going to read it. So I saw this question and it made me realize like I don't have one. Because, so, like, before Kindle Unlimited and self-publishing and stuff, I did. But with Kindle Unlimited, there's just so many authors. Mm-hmm. And I like to diversify what I'm, who I'm reading. And I can't always keep up with authors that I know I like. Because stuff comes out so fast that it's like, man, I miss, I miss stuff. Are there any authors that, like, even if you can't read everything, that you know that they just consistently put out things that you love to read? I have read a lot of C.M. Stunich. Is it Stunich or Stunich? I think uh, I don't. I say Stunich, but I don't know if we've I, ever pronounced it right in the yeah. history of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I know she does a lot of she does a lot of high school stuff, and she's the only one I will read pretty much for high school stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've read some others, but you know, it's not my general preference. Her, I've read a lot of, a lot of Ivy Asher and stuff. Oh, love oh, Ivy Asher. Yeah, Raven Kennedy is a good one. Yeah, Raven Kennedy is an absolute one click for me. Love her so much. Like yeah. she's getting so much publicity now. I feel like. Yeah, that series is great. It's so good. What were you going to say, Ash, about high school reads? Oh, I was going to say, speaking of CM Stunich, like the new Scarlet Force book, I think, just came out, too. I'm pretty sure that, like, they discuss in Havoc, like, Scarlet Force. Oh, yeah, the uh-huh. girl at the racing track? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Got so. it. I should have known that would be a crossover series just by how it was introduced. Me always with Havoc. It would have been better if there was some male mail in it. <laughs> that's your that's your overall review of every single thing you read. <laughs> uh, speaking of crossover universes, I love this universe that you created and run and hide with the cryptids and with all the supernatural beings that you could possibly introduce along with even the idea of ghosts. Do you have any plans to write a spinoff based in this same world once you wrap up Run and Hide? So I've thought about it because the main character has a lot of female relatives. Mm -hmm. And she's got an older sister. She's just briefly mentioned. And it's like, I think she would probably be the person I would do it from. But I haven't had any good ideas. Gotcha. So So it's a possibility, but nothing's fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah. No ideas yet. I'm just curious, how many books are you planning for this series? Three. Three. All right, yeah. so I have two more to go, and then I'll just be sad because it's over. <laughs> <sighs> All right, Ash, you want to jump into your questions? Yes. So I really feel like you're one of the biggest names in the monster fucker genre. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you ever think your unusual characters and their unique appendages would become so popular? Or were you just kind of like, I'm into this kind of weird shit, and I'm sure that there are other people who are interested? (laughs) Uh, I feel like I have always tried to write something that I considered normal, and then everyone's like, this is weird. (laughs) (laughs) It just goes off the rails. But uh, no, I was actually pretty worried about Run and Hide. I wasn't sure if it was going to be successful at all, because... It's not super spicy, and it's slow build. And then Caspian, I found him so hard to write because I'm like, okay, I want to write a lovable sadist. And it's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And I had to, like, research why certain villains are popular and try and figure it out. Yeah. And then the cervical penetration, I figured no one would like. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting it in anyway, but... That that really did take me by surprise reading it. I was like, what the fuck is happening? You know, I think I got emboldened in Cupid Psycho with the scene when he goes down on her when she's on her period. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a lot of people coming out of the woodwork saying it was so disgusting, and I didn't. And I considered taking that out so often. So then when no one did, for this one, I didn't even consider it at all. I was like, yeah, that's staying. Um, so I have this theory that, like, you can really push shit with readers. <laughs> like, you can get it pretty, pretty weird. And no, like they'll still be like, oh, this is fine. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like if you just act like it's okay, they're just like, oh, this this is all right then. <laughs> um, this is hot. Like it. Yeah. I'm corrupting I'm you. It. Um, and this kind of goes with my next question. I loved Caspian 
and I also love Baz immediately, but Cassian, definitely for me. Like, I first started reading Run and Hide, and from the moment he was introduced and, like, you know, Ava shows up at the concert, I was texting Sam and Sarah, and I was like, I am fucking obsessed with him. (laughs) Um, So you already said that he was difficult for you to write, um, but were any of your characters your favorite to write? And I'm sure that that's kind of hard to pick because they're all, like, your children in their own way, but... Well, it wasn't actually that hard. I thought Baz and Bree <laughs> were f- the funnest to write because, I mean, Baz had his humor and kind of like ridiculous character traits. And then he had mm-hmm. that sh- strange power that I like working with and working around. And then Bree, you know, she's got that stalkerish mind frame. And I, <laughs> I really like stalker mind frames. I think they're kind of hilarious <laughs> how extreme they are. <laughs> And then they both had very simple wants and they were kind of like psychopaths. So I didn't have to worry about like moral dilemmas or like emotional depth and stuff. So that certainly opens up avenues for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I would say I thought that was a pretty easy reverse harm to write because none of them really cared who was fucking who, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, she's also fucking that other dude. (laughs) That book is so good. I feel like that was the first book I read where I was like, it's believe. I wouldn't say it was believable because hello, it was paranormal. <laughs> but like the mindsets of how just absolutely insane everyone was, it like <laughs> it made you put yourself in a mindset where everything was believable because it's like, yeah, of course that character would react that way because they're absolutely <laughs> insane. <laughs> I just like I loved how weird Baz was and I loved like the dynamic between him and Nemo like oh it was just so good yeah I like MM I was like I'm gonna make this really MM heavy compared to some of my other stuff right up Ash's alley yeah it did not disappoint oh and I did have another question that I didn't even think to put on my question list can we expect any MM in Run and Hide like in that series you know, I thought about that a lot because, well, it's like, and I decided that in the main story, there's not going to be MM because it's not a very long period of time. And they have like that weird obsession thing with Ava that I didn't feel like it would come naturally. But I do think later on there would be that. So I'm considering like an extended epilogue so that we could get that. We do love an extended epilogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what does your creative process look like? Are you a plotter or like going by the seat of your pants and just making it up where like your muse takes you? Or do the characters kind of dictate the way that the story goes? So it's kind of like a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'll usually start writing something. And then I'll realize tons of things about it suck. And then I'll change it and rewrite it. And then I'll change it again and rewrite it. And I call those my pre-drafts. And they're kind of annoying. But (laughs) I feel like with each book, I'm still developing, like, my strategy. And I'm getting better at minimizing how much early material that I get out. But I'm I'm never going to be someone who's just able to have a concept and an outline. That's the final thing before I start writing. Because writing is part of my process for developing Mm -hmm. yeah i always think it's very impressive when authors can just like 
I'm going to sit down and outline my entire book and then I'm going to follow this the <laughs> I entire know. time. I, I tried that with Run and Hide, and it's just kind of hilarious how different the story is. I'm like, yeah, this is solid. This time I'm doing it, and it's like it is nothing alike <laughs> to what I ended up with. Sarah and I just will, like, text each other shit, and then, like, I'm writing and I'm scrolling back through, like, 50 pages of text messages, like, to find the one thing that <laughs> oh we were talking gosh. about. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I just, like, that's one of my favorite questions to ask authors, because it's so different for everyone. Yeah. And then, this is the question of the hour, your dream mm -hmm. harem. This can be book characters, celebrities... Monsters. Okay. I feel like my harem is kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka, of course. He would be on that. Okay. I love him. Starting off strong. <laughs> yep. Coming Lestat. Right the gates. Oh, Anne Rice is that... Lestat. I absolutely, I watched, you know, Interview of Vampire when I was a kid, and I just, I think I became obsessed with Tom Cruise's Lestat, and now I I think like... I had, like, a sexual awakening to that movie. Yeah, all the guys I've dated, they're like, they have longish hair that's wavy, and they're kind of like assholes who think they can get away with anything. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, Beetlejuice. I love Beetlejuice. Oh. And maybe also the Sand Snake in Beetlejuice, because. What? <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much, and I don't know why. And I used to have, like, nightmares of, like, a water snake that looked just like it when I was a kid. Maybe that's why. I'm I feel like, like this is is teaching us so much about Beatrix as a person. <laughs> <laughs> I have a type. I like trickster characters a lot. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I feel like Beetlejuice really fits into that. So Beetlejuice, I love them. And then Hexes from Fern Gully. You guys know that one? No. It's I... voiced by Tim Curry, and he sings, and it's oh fabulous. my god, the yeah, like that's like the uh, pollution. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Who else talked about Fern Gully on here? Who said that they loved Fern Gully? Was it Colette? I don't know. I have no recollection of that at all. <laughs> we had a guest who also loved Fern Gully. Anyway, Fern Gully's good. It's got Robin Williams in it too. Oh, love Robin Williams. So Deadpool, I'd put him on there. Oh, Victor Vale yeah. from Vicious. I've read v Vicious recently, and Victor Vale was just everything. Mm. Uh, I think Ellen Ripley from Alien. She would like. Yeah, that there. makes sense. And then I'm thinking Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror. <laughs> this is. The craziest fucking hair. I told you it was going to be a little weird. Uh, I know because I've love seen. I it though. I've seen the other people list it and I'm like, oh my God, mine would not be like that at all. <laughs> you really took this concept and ran in a completely different direction. <laughs> but I think that that, you know, I mean, given the type of books that you write i think it's very <laughs> fitting so i also think it's fitting yes absolutely true to character and uh, you know i felt like you just also are a huge tim curry fan so <laughs> <laughs> i guess i am two tim curry's uh, yeah <laughs> 
I think the one I relate to the most on that list is strangely Beetlejuice. I really get it. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny because he's like the grossest. I know, but I get it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't Mm. think that Beetlejuice would be on mine because like the like decaying looking skin like that. (laughs) I feel like he would be in timeout a lot with the harm situation. I'd be like, okay, you went too far today. You take a break in the other room. Yeah, just, like, fighting with everyone else or, like... Just being super perverted. (laughs) Yeah, it would be too much. Too much for all the time. (laughs) Well, that's why he's just one guy in the harem. You know, they kind of round each other out. That is the beauty of having several men to choose from. Get tired of them and move on to a different one. And the sandworm. Yes. (laughs) And the fucking sandworm. See, you could... (laughs) When he's too much, you send him to the sandworm for some really strange, scary MM. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. We ready to jump into fan questions? We are. This is. (laughs) First question from Sarah, of course. This is from many people, but I think Sarah (laughs) is like the biggest one. The splinter. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I wasn't sure if people would... I didn't realize people would get so obsessed about it. But yeah, it's going to be a big deal in the second book. Like, immediately. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. We have so many theories. It was a topic in our group chat for a while. (laughs) Uh, Sarah would also like to know, uh, what mindset were you in when you wrote Brie? Because that girl is crazy. (laughs) Well, like I said earlier, I love stalkers. So I was like, I want to write a stalker. And there's actually this manga or manhwa maybe that I read called Killing Stalking that really inspired that because it's about a stalker going and sneaking into the house of the guy he likes and finds someone chained in the basement and finds out they're a serial killer. It's like, it's a totally different tone though. And it's not romantic, but I, I really liked it. And anyway, (laughs) so I put that in there and then I was watching like Bates Motel and you season one. And I'd read that cruel black heart series by Candace Wanderick. And I was like, man, I just really like stalkers. So I was like, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to do it. Have you read uh, Haunting Adeline at all? I have not yet. It's a, it'll feed right into your stalker obsession. I know. I almost started it, but then I saw that it was fairly long, and lately I've been having focus issues with long books. Mm. I can identify with that. Like, I have to be in the mood for a nice, long read. I have to feel yeah. calm and, like, centered, and that's not how I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> Also, a book I'm going to talk about when we talk about what we read this week, There Are No Saints by Sophie Lark, also plays right into that with the stalking and oh. the murdering, serial killing. Yeah, yeah, I have that on my uh, Kindle Unlimited. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Sarah tried to start reading it this week, and she was just getting so annoyed with the mailman <laughs> character because he's so pretentious. And she texted me and was like, does he get any better? And I was like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> he's He's a complete asshole the entire book. Oh, yeah, that would probably be a no for me then. I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, and then final question from Sarah. What is your favorite interesting peen? I think, and I know it's not technically like a peen, but I like tentacles. Mm. But then also multiple peens. And I feel like that's kind of 
kind of the same because you know there's a bunch of things going on and filling holes and stuff (laughs) have you read any of heather relkin's books i don't think so i think that you would enjoy her writing it's like lizard cyborg men i'll send you the link (laughs) what has she written uh, so she's written Stowaway, New Horizons, um, Decadence I've heard of the Sins. Stowaway one, I think. Yeah. Um, but oh my gosh, New Horizons is just, like, that book did things for me with the Ooh. cyborg lizard men. <laughs> so That does sure sound you, interesting. <laughs> make sure you add that to your TBR, because I think New that you'll Horizons. really enjoy it. Yeah, I will. Nice, nice, interesting peens going on there. <laughs> and then we got so many questions from facebook i think that this is the most we've ever gotten nice so popular yeah or mysterious (laughs) (laughs) i feel like you are very mysterious though (laughs) really yeah Uh, i'm shocked that we got you to interview like got you on here for an interview oh no yeah i like this stuff I'm just very persuasive. I'm not shy. (laughs) Uh, First question from Facebook is by Kat V. She would like to know, can you give us a hint of who the next monster is in Hide and Seek? I could, but it would probably be (laughs) telling you guys. I could just tell you guys. I've said it in other places. I have no issue saying it. Yes, tell us. (laughs) It is going to be a symbiote like Venom. Oh. Oh. That's very yeah. exciting. Yeah. I like that idea. And so he's going to have, like, and it's it's very similar, you know, his body's going to be non-humanoid, and you can kind of use, like, black tentacles. And I can see why times. we were just talking about tentacle peens now. Cat <laughs> <laughs> uh, would also like to know, what future projects do you have planned? So I'm going to finish this series before I move on to anything else because I can't stand how many open series I have anymore. (laughs) Um, I have a, I'm part of a monster anthology that's coming out in February, uh, Monstrous Desires. Mm. So I'll have a short in that. I am going to finally write the sequel to Suddenly Summon, my Faustian Curse series. That has been out a while, and I haven't not done a sequel. It had a weird launch, because I originally launched it under a different pen name when I knew nothing about keywords or anything. And so, mm-hmm. like, but yeah. So I'm going to write the sequel to that, and then I have to decide between writing Cupid Creepy or this one called Flawed Creatures, and I don't know which one I'm going to write, whichever one I feel like, or maybe I'll flip a coin, but, you know. <laughs> I feel like everyone would rather probably have Cupid Creepy. But then I've also written like 50,000 words in the Flawed Creatures one, so. Oh, yeah. So you already have a good chunk of that done. Yeah, and it's it's developed. You know, like I said, I have to do writing to develop it. And I'm at the point where it's like I know what's going to happen and stuff. So it might be the fastest to go with that one first. Do you find that you just kind of always have like constant projects and like <laughs> like you have many different works in progress all up in the air at once? Kind of. I think this is the most ones that I know I'm going to do at one time. Gotcha. Usually it's like vague concepts and I'll just put it on the back burner. But yeah. And this is from author Rory Miles. 
she said, what is your favorite or ideal harem count? So is this like writing wise? I get the feeling. I can answer both. Writing wise, I used to think it was four. Mm -hmm. But then I regular, I started several books that I ended up dwindling it down to three. And I thought I did a much better job with the story with three instead of the four. I was really, you know, it was like a strain to try and do. Like Kringle yeah. Academy, there was a fourth guy originally, and I took him out. And then Cupid Psycho, and very early kind of concept, I was going to have a fourth guy. But he, he got taken out pretty quick. He wasn't interesting anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but then reading, I'm not, I'm not picky. I'll read it all. I feel like past, like, six or seven, it gets confusing. Yeah, I won't remember who's who, but that's okay sometimes. <laughs> uh, listen, that one book that had, like, 13 in the harem, I was like, this is too many slices. Well, I read Anne Rice a long time ago, and she's just going around having sex with everyone. You don't know who's who. There's, like... <laughs> <laughs> there's like a tiger king here and a tiger king there and she had a rainbow of tigers at some point where it was like every color of the rainbow and they weren't even the main guys they didn't even live with her or anything oh my god i think that that's crazy. how i felt like with the um like uh their vampire queen series oh, yeah. it's like it's it's so many harem members and i feel like every other page it's like they're like fucking which, I mean, is fine. That's <laughs> fine. But I'd like, I'd like some plot in what I'm reading. Now I'm just curious as to who the fourth guy would have been in Cupid Psycho. I was thinking of doing, like, uh, a fire guy who has emotional problems. But that's as, that's as far as I got with this concept. And it never developed. And I'm like, well, I guess he's, you know, no one. <laughs> So he got yeah, erased. Like if you can't think of like a good fit, it's just better to stick with less. Yeah. Crinkle Academy, I had actually wrote the fourth guy in for quite a bit, but I was trying to make a Christmas deadline and I was trying to stay under a certain word count. And it's like, and there's MM in that. And the guy was like a big bisexual. So it was like, it was going to add so many scenes and so many new relationship things that I had to work on. And I was like, man, this is not working. I feel like in Cupid Psycho especially, there was enough going on with the main characters <laughs> you had there that yeah. adding another person would have been a lot. Yeah, it would have watered it down, I think. And Rory also wants to know, what is your favorite book you've written and why? So, so far, I think it is Cupid Psycho because it was just, it was fun, you know? It wasn't too serious and it was pretty kinky. And it's a standalone, mm -hmm. and so far, I've honestly kind of enjoyed writing standalones better than series, because there's, like, <laughs> there's additional stress with series. Like, you finish it, and instead of feeling, like, this sense of completion, it's, like, better get started on the next one. So, I feel this so hard. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I might... I think Catherine Moon, she does a lot of interconnected standalones, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. I feel like that might end up being my ideal... But yeah, Cupid Psycho 2, it ended up being pretty popular. And that made me enjoy it more, seeing other people, like, enjoy the characters and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it sticks with you longer to see everyone talking about it. I feel like Run and Hide's been really popular, too, though. 
But I will never pick a book that I'm currently writing because I'm constantly frustrated <laughs> with it while I'm writing with. Oh, true. So maybe once the series is done, I'll change my mind. <laughs> Only two more books to go. I know. I even considered. I was like, could I do this in just like one more fat book instead of two more? <laughs> I don't know. I still plan on a trilogy as of now. Crystal G would like to know, how did you come up with the Myths and Monsters series? Um, so a lot of my concepts start extremely different than how they end up. So I've been wanting to write like an adventurous horror comedy about a very sarcastic woman that like has a weird draw to all weird urban legends and monsters and stuff. And she was just mm -hmm. kind of like fed up with it and not even surprised. And then I was like, there's no plot. So I was like, I'll put her in a camper and she'll drive around different states and different state parks and pick up, you know, different cryptids. Like Mothman would be the first one. And then, you know, it ended up as it is now. And totally changed. You know, the female <laughs> character totally changed. There, one of the last biggest changes was adding Caspian. He didn't exist for most of the time yeah. that I was developing it. But I was like, man, this is not good. Because Mothman doesn't get introduced until much later. And I was like, I need someone that's there right away. And I'm so glad I added him because I thought that that really helped the story a lot and made it a lot bigger and better. So I meant to ask this and I forgot about it. So Caspian very much reminds me of a siren, but he has like a different name as a paranormal creature. Did you like make that up yourself or was that a paranormal creature that already existed? It already exists. Gotcha. And, yeah, and it's it's usually like these dudes who play the violins in freshwater like streams and lakes and stuff and attract women to them. Mm. So, so the male version of a siren in freshwater. Yeah, and there's a there's a really good piece of art that I saw that uh, was pretty much a huge inspiration for Caspian because he you, if I show it to you guys you'll see it looks like him. <laughs> yeah, you'll I definitely have to show us. I'm very I curious. Will. Yeah. I love him so much. And then our next question is from Sierra. And she would like to know, how old were you when you first started writing? Um, I remember in first grade, I wrote a book about a crab pinching my sister at the beach. Ended up <laughs> <laughs> But, I, you know, I never really took it seriously. I would try and write things now and again you know like when Harry Potter I was reading that and Anne Rice and stuff I read that pretty young and I would be like oh yeah I'm gonna write something but I don't think I I really committed until like later in high school because you know I had a few teachers that are like hey you're pretty good at this and then those PSAT mm -hmm. things I got a really good score in my writing score and I'm like you know what I can't do this <laughs> so I was like okay <laughs> I'll just make this my life now I think that that's worked out very well for you yeah, it's been a it's been a road to travel though. I uh, let's see where are we? Oh, Elizabeth H would like to know: Would you consider having dildos made of your characters' peens? <laughs> well, I do know that Caspian like exists. So there are tentacle dildos, tentapines, or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. And so i i don't know i haven't really thought about it i think mothman's the only one that's really gonna have a kind of peculiar shape that probably m might not exist so i guess he <laughs> would be the one to consider but i don't know i'd have to look into it 
And I mean, if you do, I think that Vera would be more than happy to. Yeah, she would definitely be the one to talk to because she did that with her other book. Yeah. Carnal Cryptids. You guys just like making Mothman hot. (laughs) Yeah. Mothman should be hot. (laughs) (laughs) I really think that we should do like a book trip to Point Pleasant. I think that that would be really fun. I think everyone well, now, would love it. Now I'm Google Mapsing how far away Point Pleasant is from us. But well, we, we should also go it. camping and get freaked out at night. I get really freaked out at night when I camp. I can't camp. I hate it so much. Really? I, I, I love to, to camp. I used to camp so much as a kid and I loved it. But as an adult, like, I don't know. I just sit there terrified staring at the top of the tent all night. But I'm supposed yeah. to go camping, I think, in, like, two weeks because my kid always keeps asking. And I'm like, oh, okay. I am I am not built for camping. <laughs> <laughs> Our, like, fans and mattresses and air conditioning. <laughs> well, we wait till it's cool. And it's a pretty good temperature in Texas in November. See, Sam, I grew up going to Shenandoah National Park right before the park closes and it, like, snows overnight. (laughs) And, like, we would have a tent heater. Yeah, my dad was, like, (laughs) he's freaking nuts. But fond memories. I have, I'm trying to think. The last time I went camping was when Andrew and I went to Firefly. And that was so uncomfortable because it was literally (laughs) in the middle of summer. In Delaware. No, thank you. Um, and before that, like, we used to go a few times when I was little. I rem- I have one very vivid memory of camping in Virginia near Bush Gardens, because we were going <laughs> to Bush Gardens, and waking up just, like, drenched because it had rained overnight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I'm waking up, co- like, completely soaked to the bone. That's where I mostly camped, in that area of Virginia, and then also the Blue Ridge Mountains in the western part of Virginia, not West Virginia. That's like the Blue Ridge is so gorgeous. So beautiful. Yeah, I do miss it. I lived there for a while, so that was another reason I wrote the setting, because I was like, yes, I miss it. Update Point Pleasant, West Virginia is about six hours away from me, Ash, which means it's about seven hours away from you since you're an hour away from me. Six hours isn't that bad. I mean, you're talking to someone who drove to Massachusetts and then back in the same day, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we should do it. Make the pilgrimage. <laughs> Listen, I'm always pilgrimage. down for another girls weekend. Let's do it. But we're staying in a cabin. We're not camping. <laughs> <laughs> we should organize this maybe for next year. I'm going to start looking into this now and then we're going to like... Yeah, we should get some authors to go. Beatrix can fly up. Uh, Beatrix <laughs> is obviously invited. We'll get Vera awesome. to come. It'll be fun. We can all get pictures in front of the statue. <laughs> <laughs> Do, like, embarrassing things in front of the statue. Oh, my gosh. Sarah would absolutely <laughs> do embarrassing things in front of the statue. Like, go to your knees like, in front of it. <laughs> bend over in front of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, and then it looks like our last question is from Mandy B and it's, do you plan to continue the Foss series? Which I believe that you said you do. Yeah, that's my next, I'm, I'm planning on doing it after I finish this Myth and Monsters series, right in the second book at least. So I haven't read that. What's that series about? Demon. 
So it's about a girl who summons a demon because her mother has died and she wants to get, I guess, revenge. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she sells her, sells her soul and it's it's kind of like a taboo thing. And, like, people aren't, they didn't even think they could summon demons and no one's seen demons. And, and he's kind of a mean asshole who doesn't know anything about Earth. And then it's, par- right it's a paranormal prison, so they go to prison. Ooh. I I love a good demon romance. Demons are good. Hell yeah. Snake men and demons. Horns and fork tongues. Mm. I gotta say, I'm always down for some, like, Naga books. <laughs> <laughs> I still I want to read one so bad, and I don't know why I haven't. I have Viper. And I've had Viper for so long on my Kindle Unlimited. I just thought about it. reading Viper today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's we funny that you brought that up, Ash. Lillian Lark was literally just on my For You page on TikTok with a video all dedicated to Naga romance recommendations. Oh, that's amazing. And of course there's I Married a Naga by Regine Abel. That, that was a really good one. I enjoyed it. Ashley is just headfirst into the monster fucker business over here. <laughs> that was like you and Sarah reading a little sip of sin being like you need to read that because you're a resident monster fucker yeah I exactly like, I was like good to know that out of all the things that we've talked about that's the one that I'm known for <laughs> all right let's get into what we're reading this week this week uh I finished up my Mariana Zapata uh rage <laughs> <laughs> I was just on a streak of just reading her sports romances with Culty. And then I read There Are No Saints by Sophie Lark, which is like a serial killer stalking romance that's all based on like these competing artists who are also competing serial killers. And I loved it. I was I was just along for the ride of the craziness that was that book. Uh, and then I read Twisted Love by Anna Huang. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was like a brother's best friend with a twist kind of romance. Um, there were some parts where I was like, that's a lot. You're doing a lot there. But I, I thought it wrapped up well. So you didn't think that the serial killer artists were a lot. Listen. Brother's, brother's best friend. <laughs> that was a lot. I knew I knew going into There Are No Saints that it was going to be a wild fucking ride. I The twist of love, there was a lot going on there. Um, and then I also read Little Sip of Sin by Cleo Evans because Sarah made me. That story was fucking crazy. Uh, (laughs) it's all, Cleo Evans has this whole series that's based around this character of the barista who's like a matchmaker for paranormal creatures. And he sets up these two dragon shifters with a human and it just kicks off from there and they have like the craziest weekend ever. Uh, and then this week I... I've been in a little bit of, like, a reading slump after finishing everything from Mariana Zapata, trying to, like, figure out where I'm going from here. So I think I'm going to read First Comes Blood by Lilith Vincent and see if a Mafia Reverse Harem will kickstart me into whatever it is I want to read. I've also been reading a good amount of fan fiction. I was, um, I read a... Rowan Aylin fan fiction that I really enjoyed. I can't remember the name of it right now. And I was also rereading An Unexpected Malfoy by River Rider, which I love so much. Um, 
That is still a work in progress fan fiction, but I highly recommend it. It's so well done, and I just love everything that River Rider has done. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've been reading this week. How about you, Ash? I have not been reading a ton because I started a new job, and I'm working on edits on a secret project, and doing edits for Heat Haven, but I did read Despicable by Rory Miles, and I really enjoyed it. This is the first book I read of hers, um, and Daddy Dax and the guys in that series were everything. Um, I, Trix annoyed me in the beginning, but then I liked her by the end of the book because I felt like she kind of like toned down her like sassiness levels a little bit because you know how I am about that, Sam. Like It can be like too much at times for me. Yes, that's why you couldn't get through Madison, Kate. <laughs> yeah, I, and I also get annoyed at them calling her Madison, Kate repeatedly. <laughs> like... It's a dumb fucking name. Call her Maddie or Kate or like, just choose one thing. Like, (laughs) um, and did I talk about last week that I read Omega's Gambit? Did I talk about that? Yes, you did. Okay. Yeah, so I haven't really read anything else besides that. Um, I, right now, like literally right before I came down here to record the podcast, I started reading Within Obsession and Lies and it's kind of slow getting started but that's fine colette's like you just need to stick with it so i'm gonna try to do that (laughs) um and i don't know i might i like i want to read some like alien stuff too so i don't know i might read like chloe parker's alien books um if you haven't read in her thrall yet that's really good by chloe parker um yeah Beatrix, have you been reading anything that you would like to bring up? I read The Green-Eyed Monster by Elsie Winters, which is this short, cute, sweet monster romance between some type of nature fairy girl. I can't remember what she's called, and I think he is an orc. Oh. Yeah. And then I started Lore Olympus, and I think I've got through like 63 chapters of that. That's so good. I started Jurassic Park because I've been meaning to read it, but I lost my steam like halfway through. So I'm going to wait to finish that. And then The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I've been reading that. I haven't finished it yet. And, and so- I just started the Kraken, Lillian Lark's Stuck by the Kraken. So good. Yeah, I think I'm going to finish that one first out of the ones I'm currently reading. (laughs) Yeah, I would finish that one first. I tried to get into Addie LaRue, but like the slow start of the book, I just... (laughs) It uh... is. It's so slow. So I've been reading like like 80 pages. I'll sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to read 80 pages. And then I'll put it back on my shelf for like a week and then go back for another 80 pages. I think that's going to be one I have to do on audiobook. That's what I had to do with uh, We Hunt the Flame. Like, anything that's YA now, like, I speed through all of my regular smut reads, but anything that's YA, I'm like, I just, I have to do it on audiobook. That's the only way I'll be able to consume it. But yeah. At some point, I'm like, we're going to have to read A Shadow in the Ember. Oh, yeah. I have. Is I that, like I... that's from Blood and Ash? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the. I still haven't like, read that prequel. either. You haven't I bought read from, it? No, I bought it. It's, I have an ebook, but I haven't read it. From I mean, I think it's or good until the third. 
You haven't read Akatar? I just bought the paperback this week and I have it on my shelf, so I'm going to read it, but no, I haven't. Oh my god, Ash. I feel like there's a lot of popular stuff I haven't read yet, but I'm, I'm not going to tell you guys all of them. The first book is only like okay, but it really picks up in the second book. You're like, holy shit. I've been wanting to read more fantasy lately, too. I was kind of on a horror thing, and I think I'm kind of getting a bit tired of horror. I read a lot of horror when I was writing Run and Hide. It helped. Yeah, it like, gets you <laughs> in that mind frame. Yeah, I was trying to do something kind of like horror-inspired. I'm very much a mood reader, so I like have to be in the right mood for anything. Obviously, right now, I'm in very much like a contemporary streak. So I I thought I was going to be able to switch to fantasy, but then nothing was striking my fancy. So it makes sense that next week, Sarah and I will be discussing all of our latest sports romances, since that's all I've been reading recently. The last time I read a contemporary male-female was when I read (laughs) Not My Type, which was like four episodes ago, I think. Yeah, it's been a while since you read that. I think it was still beating by Jennifer Hartman, I think. It was the last male-female contemporary I read. But it's also a thriller, so. Mm. I think that the thriller aspect helps. Yeah, I won't read a lot of kind of normal contemporary, but thriller contemporary I'll read. All right. Well, Beatrix, thank you so much for joining us this week. It was really great uh, talking with you. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so glad that we could get you on the podcast. I mean, obviously, like, we've talked about your books for so many episodes, so. Yeah, that was exciting to hear. (laughs) 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 And the fact that you listened to us, like, from the beginning, that's awesome, too. It makes me feel so cool. (laughs) Validation. Yeah, then you guys started before Cupid Psycho came out, so I was just a tiny little nobody, so. Get you all famous now. (laughs) at least a little Um, bit better than before (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to this week's episode of smut and spice please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts next week sam and sarah will be discussing all of their favorite sports romances uh you can find us on instagram and tiktok at smut and spice pod we'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin MacLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening.